Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is James. My podcast is called 52 Stops in the Streets in Between, A Student Teacher's Journey. And I received my first email, and I'm so excited. Alicia reached out to me and said, hey, I think that you're onto something, and I think exactly or pretty close, or I'm having the same experience that you are, and let me get a hold of you. So I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. Like this is, this is what I want the podcast to be. I want it to be all of us who are in education, new, um, just talking it out and reasoning it out. So I am so glad to have you with me, Alicia. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I was really excited when I found you on the Facebook teacher group. I think it was called Student Teacher Support Group. And so I was scrolling through and I'm like, well, okay, yeah, this is quite a lot of information. Uh, It was pretty daunting. And then when I saw your post, you know, like, not sure if I can put this here or not, but here it is. And I'm glad that I clicked on it and just dived in a little bit further and listened to the podcast because the reason why I went into that group actually was because I said, you know what? I would like to pay it forward and be there for other student teachers. So I said, maybe I should create something. Maybe I should create either a podcast or a group, something where we can just kind of network together and support each other, right? And so when I found your podcast and I listened to the prologue and then the first episode, I was like, I have got to meet this guy. Because he's just so dope. He's just so amazing. (laughs) And we have a lot in common. Yeah. To me, it's about the struggle, right? Like I'm, I'm 49. This is, this is really hard to do, you know? So yeah, I'm in my forties as well. I'm in my mid forties and I already got my, my master's in education. I got that last December, December, 2020. And I've been waiting almost a whole year to do student teaching in my state of Connecticut. Wow. Um, while I was um, completing my my master's in, in education, um, found out I was pregnant. <laughs> Congratulations. And thank you. And just doing my internship and doing my internship and being pregnant. And then when COVID hit, that was just so much. And then so in the first trimester of my pregnancy, I found out I was having twins, but ended up losing one of the twins. Oh, my And then my second trimester, um, I lost my mom very drastically. We found out that she had cancer and she lived um, for like another six weeks. So it was hard to grieve because I'm like, okay, I'm coming off of the loss of a baby. Um, One's still here with me. I want to make sure that this one stays healthy. And now I lose my mom. So it was really tough. And then third trimester, um, at 36 weeks, I took the praxis exam and passed. And then I also, at 37 weeks, I produced a theater project called I Salute You Good Men. And I told the cast, if I go into labor, you guys still have to, <laughs> the show must go on. Um, and then 38 weeks later, my, my, um, my fourth and final princess arrived. Um, so, you know, just going through all of that and then, um, just having to, you know, study and, and, and go through the whole internship process. It was a lot. And then just preparing now to do the student teaching and then just all this information just coming at you all at once. And then talking to some veteran teachers who are some of them, they're kind of jaded. Right. Yes. Um, Yes. And and the word jaded, I look at it this way. Um, I don't know if if it's considered unique or not, but the word jaded, I'm like, I think it comes from jade, which is a gemstone, a beautiful gemstone. And so when you add the ED, it's kind of like old and maybe has moss and all this other stuff that's, that's covered over that. So I look at it this way, that in terms of the journey where we're at right now, this juncture, I kind of think maybe that's where we come in. We have this fire now, and I can sense that fire in you as well, um, because of the deficit of, of, um, of things that your children are not getting. On the other spectrum, on the other end, for me, I got into education because a friend of mine that's been teaching for about 15 years, 
for the second time around after I got laid off, she said, you know, I think you'd be a great teacher. Why don't you go back to school to become an educator? And I'm like, mm, I'm not sure. Let me go check it out. And um, I walked into the, um, the advisor's office and there was this banner with this woman had a huge Afro and it says, have you ever thought of becoming a teacher? And I'm like, is this, is this God talking to me? Maybe it is. And so here I am today. Um, just really excited. And I'm kind of, in a sense, even though I went through so much to get to this point, everything is in alignment because where I'm at right now, the school has um, the arts, very rich with the arts, you know, all facet of um, discipline in terms of theater and music and dance and everything all artistic disciplines, right? That's a little bit of my background. Are you high school? You're student doing your student yes, teaching in high school? Yes, secondary. Yes, high school. Ooh. High school. And did you receive like your place, we call it like a placement, do you know like what? Yes. Uh, placement. Okay, let us know. Let us know. Where are you going to be? So I'm at um, a local high school um, in Connecticut in the New Haven area. Okay. What What do you have the privilege of student teaching? What subject? So I will be student teaching for personal finance and intro to tech ed. Well, that's good. At least that's your thing. When I got told that I was being put in a high school, I like almost fell over. And then when they told me that I was going to be algebra, I was like, what? Like, Whoa. I, I want to sit with little kids and hold, read stories and uh, go on movement breaks. I don't want to. I don't even know. <laughs> But it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to all be okay. My history is not as traumatic as yours. Like I haven't been through like that kind of stuff. I did have several conversations with my professors. Like if I would have known this COVID was going to happen, there's no way, no way I would have signed up for any of this. You know, like the demands, like I lost my little bartending gig. My kids are working from home. I'm doing my para-pro job from home. Our little tiny apartment now has four people working from home. Everybody gets a space. Like it was just way, way too much. But at the same time, when I would talk to my principal, like I, I worked in a suburb of Chicago as a para for four years. Great step. Like it hurt me to leave them. And I like, I think I'm grieving the loss. Like when, so I had to give my notice to student teach because I'm doing a 16-week unpaid internship as a student teacher. That sucks. And then, like, the other day, like, they deleted my email. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, like not only am I gone, and I was hoping that I could just hang on, but now, like, I'm officially gone. Like, thank you, Mr. James, for your time. See you, you know, or not. We got to keep this ship moving. So that that was really rough, too. But I feel that I've been like, have you been into your school yet? Yes, I've been there last week for three days of PD, okay. professional development. And today was the first day that students were back. Let's talk about your three days. We can share stories. We could, we could share um, <laughs> our wonders, fears, and anxieties of the three days. Were you knowledgeable of the community of the school? Like, are you a resident of the community or did that, was it outside um, of your area? No, it's a little bit outside of my ear, but I'm the type of person that I tend to do research. I like to know before I kind of dive in. So I'm like, okay, this is where I'm placed. Let me start doing my research. Okay. Who are the key players? Who's the principal? Who's this? Who's that? You know, who I'm being placed with. So I started doing my research and, um, I found out actually that one of the teachers there, one of the music teachers, um, I actually did a workshop with his wife um, a couple of weeks ago. I did a, um, a theatrical workshop with, with his wife and she goes, oh, my husband is so-and-so, you know, I'll check, look for him when you get to the school. So it kind of, I had a little bit of a, like, okay, whew, just a little bit of a comfort level that I indirectly know someone there. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of getting the lay of the land and just knowing from in corporate, just treating everything pretty much the same way that um, 
the people who are in the maintenance facilities are very important. You want to make friends with them, not just to get stuff, but to just be genuine and just, just to find out, you know, who they are. And then they will also in turn be able to kind of help you navigate a lot of the stuff that goes on there. So the secretaries, the librarian, all of those people. Yeah. At my university, we did not have a choice. They were going to place us within a 25-mile radius of the university itself. Mm. Um, one person that I saw on our, our orientation, she got placed. She said it's a two-hour drive each way. <laughs> and I was like, when I knew that they were doing that, I was a little bit when they told us that, you know, you have to fill out the application for student teaching and they can place you wherever they want. Like I freaked out because not only am I unpaid for 16 weeks, not only am I going to have to find my own food and gas and whatever, and like maintain my family. Like I've got a wife and two kids. My oldest boy has autism. Not only am I going to have to maintain all that, but now you want me to drive two hours each way. I checked the box that said I didn't have a car. And I know that's wrong, <laughs> but it was hard for my conscience to do that. It was really like my conscience, like James, you got to be honest. But then I was like, well, you actually don't have a car right now because your wife's using the car, so you don't have a car. So I tried to justify well, technically it. It's the truth. <laughs> I tried, I tried, and it's like I, I, it's so wrong of me. But when I was on the orientation and I heard the other girl and she's got a two and a half hour commute and, you know, we still have to meet up at the university for our whatever, seminar. Yes. And you've got to debrief all that. And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way, there's no way. So check the box. My school is seven minutes from my house. <gasps> That's unbelievable. The stars aligned, you know, I, I'm so grateful that I, you know, that, that it worked out that way. I realized it could have really went bad and, and I would have made it work. I'm being pulled in so many directions. Like, how do you manage your whole work-life balance and then do all this? And then it's just a lot. And the fact that you have a one-year-old and you have like several children, younger children, that's commendable to say that, you know, that that's unbelievable. Thanks to my my husband as well too. He's an amazing guy. Oh, I'm 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 really I'm honestly blessed. He's an amazing guy. Uh, we had a family meeting before I before I started student teaching. We had a family meeting with the children, of course the the baby in tow as well. Um, just letting the girls know that hey, you know I'm going to be doing this for the next four months, and just kind of letting them know how it's going to go, and saying you know things are going to be a little bit different. It's similar to when mommy was you know going to school, um, getting her, her degree. But um, now I'm just going to be leaving the house a little bit earlier. And, um, and we'll just make up for, for stuff, you know, on the, on the weekends and in the evening. Some evenings are going to be busy, but we'll just, we'll just make up for it. And just told them, you know, it's for four months. Um, but already I've gotten emails from two principals at other schools and they know that I'm student teaching right now. And so one of them was like, hey, let's stay in touch because I might be able to desap you. You never know. So we'll see how that goes. I just think about like, how are we supposed to balance all this stuff? It's so much to do. And I'm with a very tenured team. Mm -hmm. So they, and this is like, it's a horrible word, but they recycle their curriculum from last year. Thank God. Yes, the, I I went through that. I went through that very same thing today. The person that oh, the teacher went paired up with, she's been doing this for eighteen years in that same school. She's been at that school for eighteen years, so um, she knows everything in and out. And just I just kind of just watch her, just run the orchestra today. <laughs> the sentence just made it look so seamless. Did you have any like um, takeaways from the? The, the, the 3D yeah, the 3D, the time when there were no kids. Yes. How do I want to put this? We were able just to see, really see each other more at that point. When I say see each other, meaning just kind of let your hair down a bit. And it was really nice because they had this really amazing gourmet um, 
coffee and smoothies and all this other stuff, this truck that came. And so it gave us the three days, gave us an opportunity to really talk and just kind of like find out different things about like family and friends and, you know, different stressors and me giving self-care advice. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just, the new kid on the block here coming in. But then I, I realized that, you know what? Yes, I also have value um, and, and things that, that are of value to help others there, even though I'm the newest person there as a student teacher. You know, that's amazing because I thought that exact same thing. I'm sitting with these tenured teachers and I'm watching them just like orchestrate everything they're doing. And I'm thinking to myself, what what can I contribute at this moment? And I'm like, and my self-esteem's like through the floor and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, everybody's looking at me and I can't remember anybody's name and I don't know what floor I'm in and I don't know, you know, and I'm trying to figure out like what value do I add at this exact moment? And I just kind of like sat there and I, I don't know that I ever figured it out, but I think they were excited to have me. And so I think that 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 they they were glad that I'm there and they're excited. And my, my cooperating teacher, like the first day when we we're getting ready to leave, like she patted me on the back and like, I don't like people touching me. <laughs> I kind of cringe back. I'm like, Whoa, wait, who's touching me? Don't touch me. <laughs> and she said to me, like on the first day, she's like, you did really good. So it is kind of like a crapshoot. Like they don't know what they're getting too, you know? But I think that being like a midlife career changer adds a lot of perspective to it. And we were talking about like, uh, so I'm sitting in these team meetings too. And once again, like, I don't belong here because I'm, I'm one of you, but I'm not one of you. And um, we're talking about how many grades should be posted online and when should they be posted and what does the union contract say? And I was very passionate because I've been through this and I like kind of maybe even rudely cut them off. And I'm like, as a parent, it's very frustrating. One, I can't, I can't check the damn parent portal every day. I, I, I can't. Do you even have um, a school email address where you are right now? I do. We, they, the district issued me a school email address. But with my own kids, like, I would watch my son's grades go from A A A, and then all of a sudden, usually before report card pickup, they would go down to a D or F. And I'm like, how did that happen? Like, where was the communication that you didn't say nothing to me? And now all of a sudden my kid's got an F and it's too late to fix it. I can't fix it now because it, it's just too late. So I was very vocal, maybe a little bit too vocal. But then like at that point, I realized that my perspective coming into that classroom, into these team meetings is as a parent, a concerned parent who's passionate about kids who wants the kids to succeed and like needs communication. So I think that that really caught them off guard because I don't know that anyone on my team has children. And so mm. they're just seeing it through the, through the teacher lens, but not the parent lens. So that led to like a good 15 minute discussion about what do we do? How do we do this? Why should we do this? And so I realized then that my value is there. It just comes from a different set of eyes, which I thought was pretty cool. I'm really glad that you touched on that in terms of that um, that parent piece because I I also like you said you're not sure if, if some of them even have children right and so I love that you touched on that because I have children but I've always thought of in education um, or even just just advocating because I, I've been involved with just various. Um, advisory councils for parents and for educators and just community in general and ad advocacy and just seeing the importance of a parent's voice. And I call it the triangular approach where it has to be the educator, the student, and the parents. That's the triangular approach right there that I'm talking about. And we know that like a triangle has like different shapes. Right? So I, I love using analogies. So with that, it doesn't matter what the shape of the triangle is because each relationship within that is going to look a little bit different. So, but as long as all three are working together and building that relationship, it's a proven fact to help students, you know, thrive and just have a better school life. I've experienced it with my own children. You know, I'm helicopter parent. So my kids are at school and I'm like, <laughs> 
from like watch monitoring everything and should something say you know like turn in that homework the teacher said what do you your friend did, you know, like i'm like super on top of my kids they have like no breathing room but i think that there's other parents that don't have that luxury right like they can't speak that teacher language so they they their kids aren't getting what they need and i i agree that it's so important to have that that triangle that's like the idea right like that's like the that's the whole special ed thing right there. You're supposed to have like equal partnership between parents, schools and teachers. And yeah, that's really, really important. I didn't even know that. Thank yeah. you for, thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. That's, that's a part of it. So we went through the handbook, right? Did you go through that? Read the handbook. Oh gosh. The handbook is like a gazillion pages. Right. And you're accountable. Like I, I worry about the accountability of knowing what's in the handbook. It's like 66 pages. I signed that I read it. I skimmed it. I didn't read, you know, but I got like more, more things to do. We spent a lot of time talking about the difference between trauma and grief. Uh-huh. Are you talking like social, emotional right. social, learning? Emotional, tra- yeah. Trauma and grief and how to help kids move because they're, mm-hmm. they have a lot of grief, right? Maybe they lost a loved one, but they also have a lot of trauma. And now that they're sitting in your class, you don't know what's going to activate that trauma. I call it the um, the two backpacks, and I, I've heard different people refer to it as as that as well. There's two backpacks that kids bring to school: the one that you can see with their school supplies and everything, and the one that you cannot see, where they bring all of that stuff in the trauma, um, all these different things that they bring. And so, um, the one that they that you that the educator cannot see, that can cause a lot of um, of issues in the classroom and and you just have to have to know have to be equipped how to deal with it so i thought about that too and we talked a lot like so i'm in chicago chicago is notorious for low income and all those kinds of things and we talked about like the um the governor the federal uh, moratorium on evictions and how that's going to be lifted so now families are going to be displaced. They're going to be displaced and that's going to affect our community. That's going to affect their learning. And they they were just really, really talked about a lot about just be ready for that. You're going to be the stability of the students that walk through the door. And that's a heavy load, right? I think that's a really heavy load. Yeah, it's it's a very heavy load. And and also, too, I think it's important for us as educators, you know, wherever we're going to be teaching to really know more about the community. Um, I, I know that there's some in some school districts what they started doing for as part of PD is having the educators kind of like, OK, now do uh, have them do like a, a mini tour of what that area is like so they they, they can see, OK, this is what your students are faced with and what they're dealing with and and just kind of come, you know, equipped with that empathy and everything else just to kind of help them. You know, if the kid doesn't come to school with a, with a pencil, it's like, oh, it's not the end of the world. It's like, okay, you know, d- don't worry about the school supplies right now. Um, let's just try to see what we can do to help you in other areas. Here's a pencil. Right, yeah. I am, um, so those, those are like, Two of my highlights are like, and it was it was really important. And I think like, to me, the SEL is the most important thing, right? It's about building relationships. And I, I wondered, I, I asked two at my school, like, do you have some like the PBS, like the PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention mm-hmm. Strategies? Mm-hmm. We don't have that. And I was like, oh, oh no, like, what's my point of reference? How am I going to tell the kid, you know, be respectful, be responsible, be safe? <laughs> You just tell them. <laughs> right. You just got to, yeah. So just got to work it out. They have some other thing that they do, which is one more thing I'm going to have to learn, you know, as I go along. Freshmen, I think they're like big like me, but they're not, their brains aren't big like me, right? They're still like little kids. And so I was worried. I, ta- I was talking about my cooperating teacher, like, how do I build relationships with these kids? Like I grew up white, poor, but that's different from what these kids are experiencing. My life can't even compare, right? It, it just can't even compare. And I'm like, how do I build relationships with these kids? How do I let them know that I care about them? Are they going to see me as just like some other guy, some other like, some other guy, white guy who's just in our school, you know, like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to like, 
have a valued relationship with them. And my cooperating teacher, she said, it's going to be really important to listen, respect their space, learn, you know, try and educate yourself about the different cultures. We have a really big thing going on. We have a lot of refugees in our, in this part of Chicago where I teach. And we have some like author who wrote a book about refugees coming to the school and he's going to do like a presentation and book signing, all kinds of stuff. Uh, that this American life is going to be in the building. They're going to like with and uh, so it's Ira Glass. Ira Glass is going to be in the building doing all kinds of recording, popping into classroom, talking to students. So that's really really cool. And I I feel it's such a awesome awesome space to be in. Wow. I came early last week and helped register with the registration of the kids, and that not all the teachers came. I I, I understand, but I don't understand. Because I, I I have not been able to draw that line in the sand yet. Like, this is my personal life. This is my... Once I get that job, my wallet is going to become property of the school district. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, so-and-so needs this. I've got to figure that out. But I came to, like, volunteer and help for the registration. And they put me at the final stop, stop number 10, collect all the paperwork and check and make sure that all the paperwork's there. So the health form, the emergency contact, you know, what language do you want your report card in? Mm -hmm. And I saw, I saw a lot of Afghanistan. I saw Iraq, Nigeria, Vietnam. Um, of course, Spanish, of course. I saw, it was just amazing. Like it was really, really exciting to see, you know, so today was the first day, right? And the kids did like this, like about me, and in the math class, they had to tie it to a number. And so um, the one girl, and she was like in her traditional clothing from her country. And the about me was math. So you had to tie in a number. And so the number that she had was like 0520019. And then if the kids wanted, they could explain why that number was important to them. And she's like, this number is important to me because that's the date that I came to the United States and was able to start again. And I thought to myself, wow, like, baby, whatever you need, I will make sure you get. You are on a journey that is so grand. And thank you for letting us be a part of it. Thank you for your parents for putting you in our school. Thank you for like sharing yourself and just... It, it's truly amazing. It's amazing to me to, to be part of that. I don't know. Do you have stuff like that where you are too? Or are you? Yeah, for, for sure. I definitely can identify with that because I'm not originally from this country. I'm Caribbean. I'm Jamaican. So I remember what it was like when I came here as a teenager. And when I actually did my internship at one of the high schools, I was placed one day to sub for a class and it was an ESL class, right? And so um, when the teacher found out, you know, about my background and everything, and I knew a little bit of Spanish too. So the kids, they were like surprised, like, wait a second. And so that right there, just in terms of culture and just having the appreciation for all cultures, the kids just started gravitating towards me and Lo and behold, fast forward, maybe about two months after that, um, their teacher requested me to work with her for close to two months on a project that she was doing for, it's called Last Links, where they have to do a statewide testing um, for the students to, um, for, for who are ESL and ELL learners. So I was, I was very honored um, to work with that teacher and the students, and it was just amazing. So, so culture is, is just so amazing and really important. And just even before that, when my, when my son was still in high school, um, I recognized that there was an issue with teachers and students connecting um, and some students that weren't feeling respected or feeling like the teachers, some of the teachers understood their culture. And so because I was the um, PTSO president for, <laughs> for the school, I talked to the principal on uh, myself and some other parents. And, um, and I said, you know, I said, it would be nice to have a multicultural festival. Use that 
as kind of like a way to start learning about all these different cultures. And it ended up being um, one of their biggest event at the school and became a staple event. Yeah, the other thing that I, I'm very curious, but I know that I can't just ask a million questions about, you know, so I feel it's kind of like a, it's a very sacred space and the kids bring, you know, themselves in and I want to respect that and I want to be a part of it and I want to learn more and I want to know more. And I was afraid when I, when I heard where I was getting placed, I was like, Oh my God, how am I going to survive? You know, but everybody's like, just be yourself, James, build, build, build the commonalities and everything will come. And so today was the first day and I had so much fun. I had so much fun. I, you know, like I, some of the, I would just call them young men, right? Some of the young men, I know you got to be their teacher and not their friend, not their dad. Like you're the teacher, but I watched the dynamic and I really just tried to like prompt them or get them to talk about themselves and then find something that I could relate to. The other thing that was really, really hard for me today, like extremely hard for me was I saw a lot of students that reminded me of my son. So my son has like high functioning autism and I like his mannerisms and his like, there's that like social emotional, like can't read the verbal cues. You know, I saw there are probably three kids that I interacted with today that just like, I wanted to be like, Hey, Jonah, come here, you know? And so that was really cool. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm here for people like you, you know, the, the, the fancy kids and their fancy shoes and they, they're whatever, you know, they'll be fine. They'll navigate it. Or they'll like kind of like bullshit their way around to get out of it. <laughs> but those little strugglers that just need that extra help. Another thing that made it hard, I believe that our school is like um, 27% special education, which is really high. I know like, I believe, well, according to a long time ago, Chicago Public Schools had like a 10 to 15% special needs per school building. But so 27 is really high. My son, when, when he was in school, our school was 37%. So like it was like a focus kind of area for all the all the adults in the building had to be aware of it. But in those other schools, I don't know that there's that awareness. But today, the magnitude of kids that I saw that need extra support, it like broke my heart, but it made me realize that this is the place I need to be. Yeah, for sure. To be there for those other kids as well just to advocate for them and help them. And, and I also want to just kind of go back a little bit on to, you know, to talk about a little bit more about the SCL, because since I'm very heavily involved in the arts as well, the social emotional um, learning, when you put the A in there, um, a colleague of mine, Elizabeth Peterson, she coined the phrase SEAL, S-E-A-L, social emotional artistic learning. And I love that because when you put the arts in there, the arts have been doing SEL, if you will, for ever since the beginning of time. So that's why I love the arts because you can read so many students that way as well. You know, for children that are, that are, that, um, that have autism, some of them are, you know, the best artists when you see them doing visual arts or just doing other kinds of um, maybe sculptures, those kind of things. It's just really amazing what the arts can do for children. That's why they add the A into STEM, into STEM as well and made it right, STEM. Yeah. STEM. Yeah, that's cool. So your first day was today with kids. What, what pulled your heart today? Just to see, because uh, it was ninth graders and then 12th graders. Um, so freshmen and seniors. And so just to see how, and I'm like, is it because of COVID? With the, with the ninth graders, I'm like, they look so young and they still look like middle schoolers and just just kind of like, just they're just trying like, help me figure it out. And then the seniors, it was kind of like, yeah, I'm just so ready just to go out there in the world and figure it out. And so what, what pulled on my heart is like, oh my God, wow. We're just four years in between these two grades. One, just kind of coming in and being able to help them impact their lives for them to get to that level where the seniors are. And then now for the seniors getting ready to go out there into the world and helping them to shape their lives, to say, you know what? I wanna do X, Y, and Z for my career. 
and just giving them things that are life skills because those things are so important. You may never um, use, I don't know, the Pythagorean theorem right, or yeah, whatever it's called, right? All those algebra things but that I'm you, about to impart. Right, <laughs> right, right. Some of it they'll need to, I mean, if they're going to be a scientist or, um, you know, doing things that needs to um, put the equations in there. But those hard and fast, those life skills are so important. We all need that. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I think, and I, yeah, you know, the, the only like connection that I could really make that would be beneficial. Well, actually this is being recorded. So I better like back that up. <laughs> <laughs> I had trouble connecting. Like I'm 49. I made it through this far without a lot of algebra or like trigonometry or like calculus. The one thing that I kind of enjoy is like physics, like the physics, like, okay, if I'm driving 55, how long is it going to take me? That seems to have played mm -hmm. into my life. Um, in an algebra pers perspective, I've thought about this and I thought like one of the main ways that it, that I think about it is like, how many gallons of paint do I need to buy to paint my room? But then the cost analysis value of that is like, you mm -hmm. know what, I'm just going to buy two gallons and if I have leftover, I'm going to have leftover. I'm not going to calculate. <laughs> and it's but gotten me it through. Yeah, but it all ties in together because even if you're going to be making a recipe with the, with the kids, doing something in the kitchen, you need the math. But then, you know, you can you can throw some things in there to make it fun and make kids remember it. Like, you know, do it in a song or a dance or what have you. And then it really gets stuck in their mind and they remember it. So I, I, I love just kind of merging everything together. Yeah, and I, and I think it's all about the kinesthetic learning, right? When you can dance and move as you're learning. And that that I think is really important. Yeah, when I, I love working with the little kids. And so like when we were counting, when we were doing our multiplication tables or counting by threes, we'd go out in the hallway and jump three, six, nine, 12, 15, you know, just to like try and get them to do something, move their body as they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, and their brains were just like exploding and like you could see the smoke because it was just like you're asking them to do opposite brain things that work together, but it's so helpful. It's so helpful for them what's your goal out of student teaching? Like, what do you want to learn? Like, or what, what takeaways are you trying to get during the 16 weeks? Things to do and not do. <laughs> what, what I mean by that is just through observation, you can learn so much by observing the, the teachers and observing the students, like the material, the content that's being delivered, how are they absorbing it? What's their interaction with it so my goal is to come out of it just being just preparing me for for just adding a lot of tools to my toolkit to be the best educator that I can be all around in terms of not just um delivering the content but also really reaching the students and knowing at the end of the day that <laughs> whatever we put out as educators the way how we're going to be judged is by how the students perform. So that that was uh, a major eye opener for me. Like, wait, what? But if I give a really dope lesson and then it just bombs because I don't know, for whatever reason, I guess you kind of what they say, reteach, find another way to, to just kind of teach it so that the students get it. Um, but just to know that in terms of the accountability is so heavily is weighted on, on, on educators, that weighs on me a lot, you know? The one thing that I learned, and I didn't know, because when I was para, I talked to some of the other teachers, and they said that a lot of teachers are hesitant to have a student teacher, because at the end of the day, the teacher is accountable for those grades. Absolutely. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to mess this up. Like, I can clean up my own mess, that's okay, and I'm accountable for it, but now I'm possibly jeopardizing you, like you've given me this privilege to come into your space and you're going to teach me, but now you've got to have the blind faith that I'm going to do what you would do. Right. Like you. <laughs> right. And I, I think that's where the student teacher and the, uh, the mentor teacher really have to just work together so closely so that when you and I deliver those um, lessons, right. It kind of um, comes out seamlessly, if you will just as if they were teaching it. I mean, we're going to have our own style and put our own sauce on it, right? But yeah, like you said, at the end of the day, they're on the hook for it. So 
am I nervous? A little bit, but I know that I'll I'll do well because I'm a hard worker. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's, and you're going to do amazing too. <laughs> I know, right? We got this. <laughs> we totally got this. I think um, my principal told me one time. He's like, because I there were several points, and I'm sure that you felt this way. There were several points since only since COVID. Before COVID, I could handle the load, and I could I could at my new school they call it the work. We have to do the work when they're talking anything like related to kids. It's the work, um, and I could do the work of being a college student, like mid year life crisis change, whatever you want to call that. I could do that, but then when COVID hit, that work became really heavy. Like, I, I there was. There were, I think, three times where I'm like, I can't do this. I <laughs> Take your grant back. Yes, I'll pay the money. I don't care. Like, I just cannot do this anymore. And, like, deadlines were coming up for assignments. And it's just like, I'm still trying to take care of my family. I'm still trying to help Jonah. I'm still trying to help my kids. I've still got to, like, find money. I still got to, like, have a relationship with my wife. I still, like, there were points where I was like, I'm done. I, I, I can't do it. We had to, we had this like final project. It was called like a capstone project where you had to like take all your knowledge from all your classes and they give you a case study and you had to like from zero create like lesson plans and the IEP form, like everything that the student would need. And that was a 141 page document that I had to create from nothing. <laughs> and and I'm not good at chunking my assignments. Like I, I can't, unless they tell me like, okay, this is due on this date and this is due on this date. Like if somebody's gonna hold my hand to chunk those assignments, I can do it. But if you just tell me this is due on, you know, March 12th or whatever, I'm gonna fail, you know? And there were so many times where like, I, I can't do this. And my principal came into me and he said a couple of things. He's like, James, stop asking me questions. You know the answer. You are a professional in this field. Don't ask me any more questions. And he's kind of right. Like, but I always second guess myself because I just like maybe over self-aware. And then the other thing that he said, he's like, James, there's a Winston Churchill quote. When you're going through hell, keep going. Unfortunately, that became my mantra. Like when you're going through hell, just keep going. Just keep going. And Venus Shannon, my original principal mentor, she always told me, James, pretend you're an oak tree. Like you're the biggest, strongest oak tree. Visualize the oak tree. And I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, so it's easy for me to visualize big oak trees. <laughs> I, could, I could do it easily. And she said, there's a storm coming. And you're watching that storm and it's coming. And you're an oak tree and you can't go anywhere. But the storm's coming and it's getting closer and closer and it's gonna shake you. You're, it's gonna lose. You're gonna lose leaves. You might lose limbs, but that storm is going to pass, and you'll still be standing. You might be missing some leaves, and you might be missing some branches, but you're still an oak tree, and you're still going to be standing. And so, there were a lot of times when I was having a hard time, and I'm like, I'm an oak tree. I'm a big, strong oak tree. <laughs> <laughs> but I really think like that's kind of where we're at too, right? Like that storm, it's, it's been brutal, right? Yes. And my, Raging my heart, right. My heart breaks for you because you've been through so much, but you're that strong Oak tree, right? The storm is getting ready to end. We both have like four months left and then the work will really, you know, kind of start, but it'll, it'll have the payoff. And I, I'm excited about that. Right, and let let's not forget for um for a TPA. Okay. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, that that's another that's that's part two. Well, the whole TPA thing that that's probably a part oh two because that's so, yeah, let's, that's a let's... lot of work. And then you have to pay your three hundred dollars to Pearson when you're all said and done to yes. submit your scores and everything. So so yeah, so um, this should be a very respected profession. Okay, I got to cop out right now. In Illinois, the Illinois Department of Education, they waived the Ed TPA for us. Wow. Last year, last semester and this semester, Ed TPA has been waived in Illinois. Oh my God, I, I couldn't. I, I, I don't know how. <laughs> so we're getting a waiver. You can still do it if you want. 
the disadvantage of not doing the EdTPA for me from the state of Illinois is that should I move to a state that requires the EdTPA, I will not get licensure. There are 38 sure. states in the United States that currently require EdTPA. Wisconsin's not one of them. You sure you have to do the EdTPA? I do. Oh my goodness. So for those of you that don't know, the EdTPA is like a, it's this big long project. It's a rubric with 15 parts and you have to make three, two video lessons and you have to, it's a lot, lot, lot of work. I, I, I thought about trying to do it just because maybe one day I'm going to move to Connecticut, right? Maybe one day I'm going to go to that place, but then I'm like, I think I, my load is only so much and I can only do what I can do and I can't do it right now. The fact that you have to do the EdTPA on top of everything that you have going on is insane. Yeah, um, but I'm getting everything set up so I can get it started. Right. Because it's due by November 4th. Um, so I'm trying to start early. Right. You Yes, yes. We had a class prior to COVID. I sat through a semester class about the EdTPA and the rubrics and filling it all out. And you only have uh, so many characters to fill out those boxes the advice that I was given, and I'm sure that you've gotten all of this, is to just keep it super simple. Keep it super simple. Make sure you have like one or two goals and you're not overexerting yourself. My, when I was doing, when I was at my school prior to now, um, my cooperating teacher there, I was a para, but I also got to do one of my like practicums in his class. He would always tell me, he's like, James, you're doing too many things. One goal, James, one goal, not three. Because I'd be like, I would be like, oh, well, Johnny will learn his multiplication facts along with it. Like I, I like had it too, too much in those sentences, and it's got to be more simplified down. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. It needs to be respected because we have to do so much. And then once we get in, we have to endure so much. Right. Oh, Teachers need geez. to be paid more. Teachers need to be paid more. Right. And sometimes I think like, yes, in Chicago, it's not that bad, I don't think. But from the outside, I'm still an outsider. But what I don't like is that the teachers don't get the respect. That's my big thing. Like, okay, that's fine. You don't want to pay me what you think is a living wage. That's bad. But the fact that you disrespect me and I'm trying to help your kids and you're out doing your job, so I'm kind of babysitting your kids and I'm teaching your kids things that you should be teaching your kids. And once your kids come home, like you need to reinforce what I'm teaching your kids because I can't do this by myself. And now my performance appraisal is tied to the fact that you're not going to do those things with your kids. That's ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me just also add to that. It's in this country in particular where it's not respected because, like I said, I grew up in, in the Caribbean and Jamaica and in the Caribbean and in certain parts of Europe, I see how teachers, doctors, lawyers, and, you know, people in those professions are held to such high regard. Yeah. But here, it's all about the movie stars and the athletes. It you is. know, no offense to them, yep. but yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a labor of love, I think, here. It is. It is. It's definitely, definitely is. Love. And I never thought that I'd be an educator. I mean, I, you know, for the most part, I'm still a, te I'm still a teaching artist. I'm still very involved in performing arts and everything, but I never thought that I would be setting foot into this type of um, of setting to right. teach kids. Right. Well, you know, I, I think that like Venus Shannon, my mentor, she's like, you're the fresh oil. You're the fresh oil and you bring a perspective that that kids need. And I think that's so true. I, I'm in the same boat. I hated school my senior year. I missed 79 days. So today when we were putting numbers to things, I didn't rehearse it with my cooperating teacher. Right. Cause I was like, you know, kind of learned like ask for forgiveness, not for permission. <laughs> But so my number was 79. And so I said to them, I'm like, you know, like my senior year, I missed 79 days of school. And my goal, like my school experience was horrible. I hated it. I didn't want to go. It was absolutely terrible. I am here today to make sure that you 
do not miss 79 days, that you attend school for 176 days, and that you enjoy all of those days. It's my goal to ensure that you have fun doing math for the next 176 days. And I just want to say, you know, before we, we, we wrap up with all the goals that we have, we definitely also have to remember those personal goals for self-care, not getting so um, ingrained in it so much that we lose ourselves in the work and then we just become a shell of ourselves. And then we become the jaded teachers. Right. We have to make sure that we always, always keep self-care um, at the forefront of, of our, our mind and, on, and, and at the top of our list as well. That's also important because if we don't have good self-care, we're not in good health, then what good are we to the students, right? right. Yeah, I don't ever want to become jaded. Right, <laughs> me neither. Me neither. I think about that too. I think it's going to be hard as the years go on, as the time goes on, to keep spinning those plates, to keep making it new, to keep reinventing yourself. The what I like and what I think about with teachers is that they are life learners. They have a, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. We spend a lot of time talking about that at school too. Growth mindset. You gotta always just keep that growth mindset in my in, in you know in the forefront. So, I really am so glad we are not. This is the beginning. We are not done. You and I are not done. This is gonna be awesome. No, we're not. <laughs> That's gonna be awesome. If people wanna reach out to you or if they wanna get in touch with you, I mean, they can always reach out to me through social media at Artistry is Ministry. Um, that's my um, Facebook and also my Instagram handle. Perfect. This so is artistry so- is ministry. <laughs> this is so awesome. This is so awesome. You got any other final words you want to say? Well, I'll just throw this in there too. Um, I came up with this quote when they asked me, what's your philosophy for, st- for teaching and all of this stuff? And I just said, you know what? Life is a stage where we have to teach children how to perform. That's my personal quote that I created. That's really good. That's really good. That was a lot of fun. I had so much fun talking to Alicia Thompson. She reached out to me via email and wanted to share her thoughts. You know, we're going through this together. And actually, what she and I are going through, we're all going through. And so I'm so grateful that she made some time for us tonight. Kids aside, husband watching them just making time for all of us so that we can share our ideas and go through this process together. This has been James. I am so glad that you had took some time out to listen. If you would like to reach out to me with any comments, suggestions, or want to talk about student teaching and your experience, you certainly can do that. My email is chicagostudentteacher at gmail.com. Or if you would like to reach out to my new bestie, my student teacher, bestie, Alicia Thompson, you can do that as well. Her email, once again, is artistryisministry at gmail.com. We'd love to help you, and we're going to make it through this together. You all can check off week one down. Week two, we're in the middle right now. We've got a little bit longer to go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stay tuned, and we'll talk again soon. 